Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. We'll look in verse 20 some. We'll lead, lead off in verse 20. And tonight I really just, I do want to just kind of put a, a, a seed thought out here with you. Uh, I think something that hopefully will challenge you uh, as it has started to challenge me and then um, Lord willing may take this on over into Sunday morning. We had a great time Sunday morning. Uh, I, I think everything uh, went tremendously well. Just uh, um, absolutely blown away by the number of visitors that we had. Um, just ex- excited about uh, the fact that God uh, used it in a good way. And so um, uh, just FYI, it will be second verse, same as the first this coming week. Uh, although we will do a little shifting to try to catch up with the shade tree. Um, but we will be doing doing the same thing over again. So anybody that's watching, if you want to come visit us uh, this coming Sunday morning, 9.30 and 11 o'clock, um, you know, I trust I trust the forecast when I see the rain fall. If I, so we've been under uh, 50% of better thunderstorm warnings for the last three days, and it ain't rained one drop at my house. So I don't know about y'all, but... Uh, uh, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what happens, and whatever happens, happens. Uh, they, there was a time when people had to live like that, and so we'll see what happens. But uh, um, Lord willing, uh, we'll we'll be able to uh, get the two services off, and if it does rain, maybe it'll rain in the evening. Um, so in John chapter 21, uh, we have uh, the at the beginning of that chapter, we have the discourse of Jesus and the disciples where they have gone back to doing some things that they had done in times past. But I want to take and read some verses out of chapter 20 to lead up to that and just kind of set the stage. Um, verse 24 of chapter 20, <clears throat> Jesus has shown himself to, a, to the disciples and we, we have this in starting in verse 24. It says, Now Thomas called the twin one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came uh, Jesus came, the door being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. 
Then he said to Thomas, Reach your finger here and look at my hands, and reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. There's one thing that is over verses. I'll read some more in a minute to kind of get into uh, what, what I want to share with you. But believing, believe, and unbelief is, seems to be a key thing going on there. And, and I can, like anybody could, I could put myself into the shoes of Thomas. Uh, many of them call him I might call him Thomas. He just uh, he wanted to know for sure that this was the Lord. And I can imagine your cage being rattled. I mean, you have walked with this man for three years. Possibly a little longer, but but a solid three years you've walked with him at this point. You've seen him do all these miracles and all these signs, but yet now you saw him being crucified. You saw him die. You saw him being buried. As a matter of fact, the majority of them had part in those things. So he's dead, buried in a tomb, and now he's alive again. And everybody says, we've seen the Lord. He said, I ain't going to believe it till I see him. And, I, and he identifies him by the nail prints in his hands, the pierce in his side. He says, That's, if I see that, I'll know it's him. And I can understand that, wouldn't you? You want forensic evidence is the fact that I want to know that this is Jesus, that he's the one. And so Jesus comes to him and, and is with him there. And I don't know if there's any other discourse that we just don't have to, to look at, but it seems with what we have that Jesus, and I would expect Jesus to know Thomas's heart, but he immediately says, Thomas, come and see if these are not my hands see if this is not my side and I'm paraphrasing there but those are the words that Thomas said before Jesus actually came and met with him listen to what he said because in verse 25 he says the other disciples therefore said to him we have seen the Lord so he said to them unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger in the print of the nails and put my hand in his side I will not believe and then eight days later the Lord walks in the room door being shut he walks in the room and he says come here Thomas it, I just want to point out a few things before we step forward for one it, aren't you glad that God is a patient God our God is a patient God Thomas is doubting I mean good grief shouldn't the testimony from the other disciples be enough but Thomas needed to know for himself and the Lord eight days later came and met with him one-on-one -on -one just to confirm with him that he was who he says he was. Now, I don't know about you, but it is nice to know that God cares enough about us to come in the midnight hours of our nights and, and to be patient with us. That's comforting stuff to, to know. And that he's capable of telling us and showing us who he is. And, and as a matter of fact, if you go down in verses 30 and 31, and truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, 
which are not written in this book, but these are written. Why? It tells us why. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So these things have been given to us so that we might believe. Now I want to take, let's go a step further as we go into chapter 21. He says, After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and in this way he showed himself. In other words, so he's going to show himself again to them, but he showed, them to, showed himself to them in this particular way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were there, or together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we're going with you also. And they went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, nope. And I'm just paraphrasing this, no, but nope not a bit and he said to them cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some so they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish therefore the disciples whom Jesus the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter it is the Lord now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord he put on his outer garment for he had removed it plunged into the sea and I, I find this so comical that it, it, this sounds like something that I would do. I said, that's the Lord. And he's like, hurrying up, he puts his outer garments on, he dives into the, the water to go to the Lord, and then listen to what it says. Um, but the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land. I just think that that's comical, because Peter couldn't <laughs> wait. Just a couple, I almost picture this happening. As Peter is getting up out of the water, the boat goes, slides up on the beach. I mean, it's all, it, the picture that's painted there is like it's almost simultaneously happening. And, and I, I can imagine the other ones looking, it's like, you could have just rode with us in, right? But that's not what happened. Uh, but the disciples came in the little boat, for they were, they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there, fish laid on it, and bread. And Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have caught. And I'm going to stop there for just a moment. So right here in this particular, these passages of Scripture, Jesus has showed himself to the disciples. And not many days later, here goes Peter, and he is going to go. He says, I'm going to go fishing. And the rest of them say, We're going to go with you. With you. And they go back out, and there's not a lot of record of these guys going back and doing this stuff over the last three years. In other words, they had left that. As, and if you go back and read in Mark, you'll find out that Jesus found them there by the sea. He performed a similar miracle with them and it says that they dropped everything that they had and they followed after him 
And now it's things are changing. They're confused. They don't know which way to turn. They don't understand what's going on. It seems to be that way. And Peter resorts back to something that he was comfortable with, something that he used to do before the Lord called him to other things. And so the rest of them, and it's kind of interesting when you think about it, just how easily it is for somebody who has leadership characteristics to draw other people away with them. The rest of them said, guess what? We're going to go with you. And so now, instead of just Peter being out there fishing, he's got that old crew out there fishing. They've out, they're out there, and they have fished all night long. This is not something uncommon to them. I believe, I'm just putting this thought in there, I don't know that this is true, but I would imagine that the right side of the boat was probably just as wet as the left side of the boat. If they've been out there all night, and if anybody's ever been fishing, you done tried pretty much everything you know to do, especially if you ain't catching nothing. So when the Lord said, throw the net on the right-hand side of the boat, I don't know this, but I would assume that the right-hand side of the boat's done been tried. And the type of fishing that they're doing ain't like throwing a rod and reel out. They are fishing with a net. They are covering a large area at one time. That's the whole purpose. And he says to them, I want you to throw the net out on the right-hand side. Now, let me go back up and let's catch it for just, just a moment. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, I, uh, they said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and they, that, that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And then Jesus said to them, Children, have you any food? And they answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast. Now they were not able to draw the net in because of the multitude of fish. Now, all in all, as, as an overview, this thing, it's not about catching fish. If that's what it was about, we'd, we would miss the point. That's not what it's about. It's not about just working. Because here's, the, here's the, at the end of the day, whether you're in God's will or out of God's will, there's work to be done, right? I mean, and, and that's something we need to keep as a constant, that, that, that there is a labor to, to be done always. So there's always something to do. Even if you're in God's will, there's a responsibility to do things because Jesus said, hey, throw it out on the right-hand side. And, I'll, and they did. They worked all night trying to do it. It didn't work out, but yet they did this. After that, it seemed like they had failed. And I have to believe that they're about wore out. I don't know about you, but I have to believe that they're probably tired. I mean, they've been up all night, it seems, the way the text lays out. They all night long, and they have caught nothing. They're not only wore out, they're discouraged. I would be. I'd been in a task at all hours of the night and now it's breaking daylight and I have not accomplished my task and I'm wore out, I'm discouraged and then I'm challenged to go and to do something once again that I have already failed at. They didn't really hesitate. As a matter of fact, some texts say, Lord, at your command, we'll do it. And I think that that's the way this is. 
that Lord, okay. You and I in our lives, and this is this is really all I want to try to get get hammered in tonight. It's so easy for us to go at our natural pace and do our natural things throughout every day and not accomplish anything of eternal value. We can do it in church life. We can go about our daily daily walk and we can we can push and on and and we can be putting forth effort. But think about taking this step that the disciples did. I mean, the one thing about this that we know is the same thing we've seen in their lifetime with walking with the Lord, that, those three years with walking with, with Jesus. Think about that. I mean, they get they, the Lord says, get in the boat, let's go to the other side. They didn't hesitate one bit to get in the boat. As soon as the storm comes, they're in a panic. And while they're in the panic, the Lord steps up, he calms the sea, and the first thing he says to them is what? Of you of little faith. Why is it that you don't trust me? You know? Why is it that you don't um, step out there? Because... I can promise you that anything that's going to require faith is going to be a disturbance in our normal life, wouldn't you think? I mean, why, why, why would it be anything else? I mean, why, how could it be anything else? I mean, faith means that you are out on the end of the limb, that there's, you, you've, you've exhausted everything that you know, you, you've, you've put, put, put it out there, and you're just hanging on by a thread because God's got to come through in this moment. And that's not typically where we live at. We typically live in our comfort zone. I mean, that's where Peter went back to, was his comfortable place. I was making a living before Jesus came along. I was feeding myself and my family and all, and I'm going to go back to that. And I'm not saying that he was wholeheartedly going back to it. I don't know how long he was. Maybe it was just a night fishing trip, but he went back to his comfort, a place that was comfortable for him. And then the Lord comes along and tries almost, in a sense, kind of mocks him a little bit at it. Why don't you just cast the net on the right-hand side of the boat? And all night long they've caught nothing. Now, in our lives, in church life, it, it can become easily, it can easily become just monotonous to where we're doing the same thing, getting the same results, and, 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 and it, there's no faith required in any of it. It don't take faith for us to come in here on Sunday morning. I hate to break our hearts and bust our bubbles. It does not take some great leap of faith for us to come here. We, we have talked with and met people, and I just re refer to Guatemala because that's the only place I've ever been outside this country. But women that if they come to church, their husbands will possibly beat them when they get home. You know what I mean? So there, there is a measure of endurance that is going to take, I mean, there, there, there's a level of faith there to go and serve, serve God. You know, I have shared stories before of people who, uh, Ishmael uh, from, from Africa, the, that when his baptism day, his dad threatened to kill him. 
If he went through with his baptism, his dad was going to murder him. And this ain't the kind of talk that we have here on Facebook. This ain't a bunch of keyboard cowards. This is literally in a tribe in the bushes, jungles of Africa, and it was an absolute disgrace for his son to accept Christ as his Savior. It was a betrayal to the family, and he was going to execute him. He said, if you show up at that baptism, I will execute you. And, and, I'll, and, and he goes through with the baptism, and what comes out of it is his dad comes down there, and everybody's expecting his dad to murder him that day. I went to school with him at Fruitland. And uh, he, uh, his dad come down, and what come out of it was his dad, instead of killing him, he said, anything that would drive you to defy me like that and risk your life, he said, I want it too. You know, but faith, that, that was something that was so outside of the ordinary life there. The trust that if this is what God's commanded, then this is what I must do. And But we, we, we and I, myself included, can get into situations to where we do not live out there on the limb anymore like we did at one time. Jesus is kind of, like I say, I know this particular text, it is not about the fact that you and I are supposed to go out and go fishing. I wish it was. I wish that that was what God wanted us to do in some ways. That, that, hey, you know what? I want everybody that believes in me to go fishing. The only problem with that is be too many people on the water at one time, and it wouldn't be no fun for me. But that's not what he's talking about. He, I'm just trying to drill this home. He is trying to get across through this text to us, I believe, that you and I have once again got to take our efforts but line them up up under trusting him by faith. This past Sunday, I couldn't get a peace with out us doing something to try to act smart, but then in the mix of it, I was wanting to do something to help make sure that we were as safe as we could possibly be. And we're going to do it again this Sunday for the same reason. But during that, God kind of arrested my heart and had me start praying about the fact that this could be an outreach opportunity. There may be a, there may be a chance that there are people that's going to show up that would not show up any other in any other way. And lo and behold, that's why when I put that little video out, I said, hey, this may be an opportunity. Maybe you've not been to church in a long time, or maybe you've never been to church. We, we want to invite you to this. Wanted everybody, honestly, wanted everybody to kind of be praying toward that. And lo and behold, we probably had more visitors on this past Sunday and than we've had in any one time over the course of my tenure. Not that we haven't had more visitors than that overall, but not in one day. There were answers to prayer this past Sunday morning. Major, major answers to prayer that I won't even go into this past Sunday morning. And that's a simple thing to just hear God's voice and God say I think you need to go outside 
I just felt a burden to, to go that direction. And that's just a small thing. I wonder what would happen if we trust God in those things every day about the direction of our life, the people that we should talk to. You know, like I said, I'm not trying to knock us or nothing like that, but just showing up to church on Sunday morning, that is not some great leap of faith. I'm thankful that we do. I'm thank I, I'm right here with you. I mean, I but but hear my heart when I say this. What would God do with us if we were to just trust him, be so close to him that we could hear his voice and that we would trust him? Would would we see God move in an incredible way? You know, would what if we repented and said, "You know, God, I have not really walked any walk of faith much at all outside of these particular things and I know part of our part of our faith that we believe in is one thing we study the Bible and that is our faith but an action of trusting God and what God has called us to do that's something different you know that's, that's something uh, we have an opportunity coming up and and Bessemer City, um, I shouldn't even say this because somebody might mess us up. But anyhow, whatever. If it's God, it'll be be of God. But they've got a, a event August October the twenty second, I think it is, and they're going to shut the road down. They're going to have a movie night and stuff in Best, downtown Bessemer City. We have been invited to come there and to give away concessions to folks. So we're going to give away whatever it is, popcorn, funnel cakes, whatever. We're going to do some stuff that we've learned how to do. Had the meeting with them. Jeremy went to it. He went on our behalf. And uh, I said, when you go, remember, you make sure you clear it with them. We're going to share the gospel. And if we're not allowed to share the gospel, we ain't coming. And he, he did, and they said, no problem whatsoever. Come on. As a matter of fact, if you want to, you can set a tent up beside the concessions trailer just for that. You know, so we're going to go share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them folks there. And we're not, this, we're not going over there to play around. We're not going over there to dilly-dally. We're going over there because we believe that it, the gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives. We're going to pray that God would do that. Whatever he does with his the seed that's cast, that's his business. The question's going to be, if God was to stir on your heart that you need to be a part of that and actually, and actually talk to people about Christ, would you do it? Would you actually do it? You say, I'm scared half to death. There ain't no problem. We're actually going to teach you how to share Jesus without fear between now and then. Billy's going to be uh, sharing an a, a opportunity for a class where people can learn a little bit about sharing Jesus with people. No. I, you know, I, I think about this, this whole idea of putting a building up out here. And you may think that that is something that's so easy to do. <laughs> and you might think it's just easy to, well, let's just, let's just build a building. It ain't nothing but money. Let's just build it. That, ain't, that is so far from the truth. It's terrifying. I mean, it honestly and truly is terrifying. 
because I mean we sit here and still in the midst of a pandemic and we're talking about building a building but Sunday confirmed in my heart that it's time to push the gas pedal down it is a needed thing there are some people that will show up out there that won't come in here and you say well if they got right with God they would well that might be true but what if it's, that's what's going to take to get them right with God what if that opportunity to share the gospel there is going to, going to that's what's going to do it we don't know all those things all I know is when he says cast a net you cast a net I just don't want him in our life I don't want him in our life to have to bring us into these situations like he had to bring those disciples into to get them straightened out and repented I don't we shouldn't have to be brought into those situations even though I know he's patient and he doesn't and I'll talk more about that Sunday but I just simply wanted tonight just to throw a thought out there in your life that we can you picture yourself in this text like these disciples that Lord I'm just going through I have seen you work I have seen you do a miraculous things I mean he came back and showed Thomas personally they have seen this multiple times it's him but it did not impact their lives to the point to where it changed them you and I are different than those people there they are waiting to be recipients of the Holy Ghost of God on the day of Pentecost the Holy Spirit came down and every believer from that day forward I believe with everything that's in me every believer from that day forward receives the gift of the Holy Spirit for the empowerment of the task that God has before us for the guarantee of eternal life Ephesians chapter 1, 1 I think around verse 11 he is the guarantee until the redemption of the purchased possession he is here to testify of Jesus Christ. That's your, that mine and your witness comes rooted from the, from the Holy Spirit of God testifying within us that Jesus Christ is real. That's what he's here for. He's not here for a lot of things we think he's here for. He says that he has come to testify of Christ. He empowers the, the, the work of God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you and I have the Holy Spirit. We're not waiting on Him to come. We have Him. If you're saved today, you have Him. And we, as if this text is correct, we're even more blessed than Thomas than them. He said, Thomas, it's great that you believe and you see, but even more blessed are those who believe and have not seen You and I are trusting by faith that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. We put our eternal uh, destiny in his hands. If you're a believer today, you have placed your trust in Christ for eternity. I can't think of any better place you could put it in. And isn't it amazing when you get up on the seashore with them, they walk up there and there's fish cooking on the grill. I think that's just so awesome that our God would do something like that. Hey, hey boys, won't you bring some of them fish y'all caught? Can you imagine the feeling? It's like, 
it's like going out on a guided fishing trip and acting like you did all the work and caught everything. You just kind of real fish in that the guide puts you on, right? Ain't got nothing against that. But it's like, hey, some of them fish y'all caught, bring them on over. Well, we, we, you know, we, we fished all night, but them ain't really, I don't know if we can claim them as our fish because you kind of put us on them and told us everything to do. And I think he was driving his point home that if you have anything to glory, glory in, it's all his. The only thing you and I have to glory, give glory in is what he's done. He didn't need their fish to start with. He could have fed them without them. He's proven himself to be who he says he is. And one of my prayers is that God's going to prove to you who he says he is. That's one of my prayers for us as a church body, is that if we will follow God, trust him by faith, that God will show himself to be who he says he is. And like I say, I can't go into no detail. He, sh- he, he, once again in my life, he proved to me this past Sunday that he is God and that he's in control. And if we will just simply trust him and put in, there is effort there, but the effort does not what produces. The effort is just obedience. That's all it is. You know, I mean, people toted chairs, people put things out, set up sound, you know, got things together and hustled a little bit, run some drop cords and did things like that. And that's just part of what we do in following the Lord. There's always going to be a level of putting our hands to the plow and doing something. You know, one plants, another waters, the Bible says, but it's God who brings forth the increase. And I can tell you this right now, I have stood around here and said these words for a few years now that I am wanting to see a miraculous move of God, but it be all Him. And I've been waiting on this. And if I don't see it in my lifetime, oh well. But I would, my one of my prayers is that it not be something that has to be worked up so much and, and we call something a move of God that has nothing to do with God. For far too long, we've trusted in hooping and hollering and shouting and carrying on. They ain't, every, all that stuff has its place. I love to worship, but that is not a miraculous move of God. When God moves, lives are changed. When God moves, families are restored. When God moves, blind people see. You know, when God moves, he takes the worst that mankind could ever think and he radically transforms their lives. And I know he does. I know he does. I've seen him do it. I have seen him do it. And so often, like I say, so many, so many times, I cannot tell you the amount of people who in church, and even in this t- church right here, that have visited and go, I love, I, I really love the church. It's a great bunch of people. Everybody's so kind. The gospel's preached. 
but I'm just used to that Pentecostal stuff, or I'm just used to this kind of stuff and that kind of stuff, and I'm used to this happening and that happening. And that is so superficial. The number one thing that has to happen is that the gospel of Jesus Christ must be preached accurately. It has to be. Without the gospel of Jesus Christ, people will perish. And the gospel has to be what the Bible says the gospel has to be. It has to be straight up. My feelings and your feelings do not, do not equate into God's plans as to whether he's good or not. And so I've been waiting. I've just been waiting to see, God, if you are who you say you are, then without, or let me, let me just throw this out there. You know he told them, they were following him around, give us another sign, give us another sign. He told them, I ain't giving you no more signs. As a matter of fact, he said, I'm trying to remember his exact words, but he said, basically, a bunch of wicked people seek after signs. He said, I ain't giving you no more signs. He said, I've already gave, given you the only sign you need. And he was talking about himself. What do we want from him? You know, what do we expect from him? And it's almost like God... I, in my heart of hearts, I've, for years now, I've been like, God, I don't want to see a show produce something in people because that's been happening for a long time now. All the way from California to the New York Islands, they've been shows. The Grand Ole Opry puts one on every week. Can I get a witness? They, they put one on every week. Disney puts one on every single couple of hours. <laughs> every couple of hours. And, and it's fantastic. There's fireworks and there's fountains and there's lights and everything else. Las Vegas puts on shows. You know, I mean, there's show after show after show. And what that produces, that produces fans of shows. The NFL puts on shows every single week during football season. And all it does is produce fans. Jesus is not after fans. He's after followers. And followers don't have to have shows put on. Followers have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that if, if a relationship with Jesus Christ is not enough to cause us to be content, then that means that Christ is not enough in himself. And that's tough. In a world that we live in, it's such an entertainment-driven world. It's so very tough. I mean, to stand up here and just calmly talk to y'all tonight, in the back of my mind, my brain is sitting there telling me, and my flesh is telling me, boy, you bombed out tonight because you didn't wow anybody, didn't have any spectacular points. We didn't have any music, and the lights wasn't on, and doing this, and the screens wasn't on, and... I mean, that's what goes on in the back of my mind. But then the Spirit of the living God inside of me keeps screaming out, if whatever you do to get them, you've got to do to keep them. And if the gospel doesn't get you, then what are we going to do? What we end up doing then, instead of 
caring for sheep, we entertain goats. That's what happens. And it is exhausting to do that. We are a body of Christ that has been called out of this world to share the gospel and to love on each other and to grow each other in the faith that we have trusted in. That's what we are here to do. And the only way that that's going to happen and the only way that you have it to where it is not uh, a social club is we trust by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. Our, all of our confidence and our faith is in Him and Him alone. And, uh, and, we, and we see God do miraculous things because He will. Did you catch it at verse 31? But these are written, let's see, wait a minute, let's see, no, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which were not even written in this book. But did you catch, though? He did that in the presence of his disciples. Oh, I remember what he said now. A wicked and a, wicked and a perverse generation seeks after a sign. And he said, no more sign I'll give to you other than Jonah three days in the belly of the fish. The gospel of Jesus Christ through the story of Jonah. And so tonight, I just want to leave you with that challenge. When is the last time that you've walked out on a limb? When is the last time that you have um, followed through trusting God in a faith moment? That when you you know that God called you to something, you know that God told you that you were to, to do something and you followed through with it no matter what and you've seen God move. I think back in my life and I think of times when I was considered to be like a bull in a china shop, but I've never felt, I never felt more closer in the will of God than when I was in those moments because it wasn't something that I naturally wanted to do. All of us, people in general, we love, we don't love to change things. We're, we're creatures of habit. I don't know if y'all are like that. When I go to eat somewhere, rarely do I ever try new things in the places that I go that I have stuff I like. I get the same because I don't want to be disappointed. I want the same thing and all. And a lot of, our, we're, we're kind of geared that way. A lot of us are. So it's not comfortable for me to step outside of my comfort, that comfort zone and do things that are just seem radical. But then to see God come through with a promise, in other words, see him fulfill something out of your obedience, man, that is so cool to see that happen. I had a friend of mine challenge me, and I'll leave you with this story. I had a friend of mine challenge me one time. There was a gas station up the road from where I lived, probably, I'd say probably four miles up the road from where Christy and I lived in South Carolina. And they had magazines in a rack that wasn't the kind of magazines that you ladies want your husbands reading. Y'all with me? And they were like right there at the cash register. So this friend of mine, we had been uh, doing some crazy things, I guess you'd say it. We, he wanted, I, I went with him on some adventures. 
he wanted to go take his guitar and we were going to go sing and share the gospel up through the village and that's where the pool hall was and all the other stuff you know and there's people drunk sitting out on their tailgates and all this stuff and here we come up through there he's got his guitar and I'm just like he's an idiot I'm with him I don't know here we are and we sitting outside the pool hall uh, on, you know I'm I, at that time God God saved me then dried me up from alcohol and you know and I'm like I'm sitting up there on the tailgate beside him he's over there singing and going on and he's like you know I'm sitting there talking to the people so we went on these adventures well, he come in, come to my house one day, and he said, I want you to pray with me about something. I said, sure, what is it? He said, we're going to pray that God's going to take them magazines away from that register up there at that store. I'm like, sure, I'll pray with you. That ain't going to happen. But, hey, I'll pray anyhow. Why not? Let's do it. And we committed to praying every week at my house sometimes multiple times a week praying and praying and praying that God would remove them magazines he come by my house about a month later and he said you'll never believe it I said what he said get in the truck we got to go somewhere we got in the truck and we rode up to that store I'm like okay what are we doing getting a drink I hadn't even I mean it's not in my mind I just we walk in the store and I'm over getting me a soda and he said come here and he points he said, you notice something gone? And I said, now that you mention it, I do. I couldn't help it. I walked up to the cash register and I said, ma'am, I got to ask you a question. I said, there were some magazines there just two weeks ago. I said, where are they at? She said, it's the funniest thing. She said, we got a new manager for the store. And a new manager come in and said that that filth had to get out of here. And so she kicked it out. I walked outside the store, sit down on the curb, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And he comes out of the store just as giddy as a schoolboy and says, he's alive, ain't he? We don't give him the credit he deserves, nor do we give him the trust in our walk. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today, that you would today before God just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you.
Amen. Aren't you glad he loves you? Love the world so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.